0: Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. So on today's podcast, we are thrilled to have Michelle Dempsey here with us. She is the founder of Moms Moving On. She's an author with a book coming out in January that you can pre-order now and is a certified divorce specialist among her many other accolades and accomplishments. So welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: We are going, I'm going solo today. Jessica was not able to join, but um, I I will try to put on my Jessica mindset at times to ask questions that she would- <laughs> That she would ask you and respond in her way also, which is a little bit different than I am. Um, so we, you know, we've been reading about you as we get further into ex-experts about helping women in particular with divorce and your name is everywhere. It's coming up on Instagram, on podcasts. I really have enjoyed your guests. Um, it looks like from your bio and what you write is that you're specializing in divorce, co-parenting and single motherhood.
1: Yes. So why? Well, um, I'm divorced and I am co-parenting. And at one point I was a single mom and I was raised by a single mom um, as a child of divorce who experienced the very worst there could have been in my parents' divorce. But (sighs) I, in some way, shape or form, kind of knew i would always un- end up in this situation i was deeply unhealed from my own childhood traumas i settled into relationships that were not healthy um i kind of had an attack well i did have an, an anxious attachment style which meant a relationship is better than being alone which right. also meant a lot of heartbreak and drama so lo and behold i got divorced from my daughter's father after three years of marriage which sucked and it was like the last thing I wanted, but everything I needed for my own sanity and personal growth. Um, And I learned so much about myself in the process. But what I really learned was that no matter how many people are there for you, or how big your family is, or how many friends you have, it is wholly isolating and like just Mm -hmm. the scariest time. So I started putting a lot out there on Instagram, as you know, I was an entrepreneur at the time, I owned a marketing agency. And divorce was certainly not like a business of mine, um, but it was my business. And so I was talking about it very openly on social media. And I had been writing for a bunch of motherhood publications at that point, like Scary Mommy and Parents. And they were like, talk about what you're going through. Like nobody else is saying it. So I think at the time that I started writing about co-parenting and divorce, very few people were talking about it publicly on social media. So I do think that that is the reason for you know, a lot of followers and a lot of interest and why I started the podcast and became a coach because there was such a need for it. But it all came from a place of feeling alone and isolated and wanting to be like, hey, I'm here too. Like, if you need me, let's connect.
0: Right, right. And I see that a lot in those Facebook groups. I mean, I think that those have worked out well, the ones that I've, I've, you know, stepped into here and there. Mm-hmm. As long as there are many that are toxic. That I just won't go near. Um, But there are a lot where people just want someone to applaud them for, you know, their little victories. Like I put out on social media last week, like I put together a drying rack, which is not just a drying rack. It is like a laundromat drying rack with wheels and wings and (laughs) it didn't just pop in anywhere. And I still 13 years later felt kind of proud about that. So I get it. You know, you want someone to know, you want to know someone's got your back and somebody understands. And um, for my divorce was four years long. Wow. Um, I had an eight, six and four year old. I was always working. Um, So I was of the mindset that, well, we gotta go. I'm a mobilizer. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I fix it? But time alone takes a long time for growth for me anyway, and really being aware, you know, you were saying about, um, being attached to the wrong relationships, I did the same thing. They weren't, they weren't nearly as bad as my marriage, but they still weren't right. And I was making the same mistakes, but I kind of maybe needed like, you know, a few slaps on the wrist to really like this is the same. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't sound the same, but it is, is still the same. So tell us about your, your, where you are now. So you were divorced and you started building this and how so I got,
1: involved? I got divorced and part of me, you know, kind of expected it. And given what I had gone through as a child and in, into early adulthood, I kind of felt like I was built for it so that I, you know, I told myself every day, like, if anybody can get through this, it's you. I had been through so much in my life. And I felt that I had an advantage because of all the grief and heartbreak I had experienced when Mm -hmm. I was young. Um, And so that's, that's really where it became my mission to help people. But at the same time, I felt like I had a huge obligation to my daughter to become the best version of myself Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just, I just recorded um, an episode of my own podcast with the style editor at NBC Today show, Bobby Thomas, who lost her husband in the fall of last year. And we were talking about like waking up in the morning, whatever your reality is, whether you got divorced and you wanted to, whether your husband just left out of nowhere, whether he died and you're processing this grief. You have these kids there that you still have to take care of. And so right. it's it makes it harder, but it also forces you to move on more quickly and I felt that I owed that to my daughter, having really had it rough as a kid. I didn't want her to have it so hard despite her parents' divorce. So mm-hmm. I did so much work on myself before Would the divorce.
0: Share a little bit. Are you comfortable sharing anything? Just so it's relative as a child with your parents, so that
1: Yeah. My absolutely. mind is all
0: over the place and what what that experience was like here.
1: Um now. so Your divorce took four years. My parents took almost 10. It was a very ugly, high profile, like claws out, Mm. disgusting custody battle type of thing. Um, You
0: were in the middle.
1: I was in the middle. I ended up um, like uh, becoming estranged from my father when I was just 12 or just before I was 12 because Mm. of just I I couldn't even look him in the face for some of the stuff he had done to my mother. And and I saw too much, too young. My dad had cheated on my mom with another woman, which is very common, but he was ultimately but living still t-
0: not okay. Even though there's Still not okay
1: and everybody,
0: but yeah.
1: Right. But he took it to another level and there were so many details there that were horrible. But ultimately yeah. he was just kind of living a double life, raising her son and coming home to my mom and also had women all over Nassau County and, and New York City and the five yeah oh, you know, the five boroughs. So it was it was not good. And unfortunately when my <laughs> parents split up, it was, you know, Daddy has a new girlfriend, Kay, you're going with him tonight. He's not gonna live here anymore. And I was just thrown into this like volatile environment and nobody thought let's take her to therapy or let's see how she's feeling and my mom who happens to be the strongest person i know comes from a culture and a background of like you're fine everything's fine we're good we're just not going to talk about anything well all of that obviously caught up with me yeah and that's not what i wanted for bella like i wanted to say yes me and your daddy got divorced and it sucks and you're allowed to be mad at that and you're allowed to love him and have a relationship with him, even though I don't, you know? So I wanted to do things very differently. And that started with me healing my own trauma. Um, All of the stuff I didn't go to therapy for as a kid, you know, becoming estranged from your father as a preteen will do a number on your self-esteem and your self-confidence. Like I'm the picture of daddy issues, which is ultimately what destroyed my first marriage. and so I, I had an obligation to be better. So I did that through therapy and accepting so much of my past that I sort of ignored or like swept under the rug and like being open and honest with my mom, like this fucked me up and I'm not gonna let that happen to Bella. Right. And I think, you know, now I, I'm not a perfect mom and there's so much I could do better, but I know something I definitely do is give her the tools to be strong and have a voice and, and, you know, deal with what comes her way. You really, do you really believe there is such a thing as a perfect mom? I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect mom, but, you know, unfortunately, I think we, our kids are mirrors of us. So we see through our children where we can do better. And I'm always seeing, you know, things that i could emphasis more emphasize more when before we have a play date like please be respectful of the person's space and we have to clean up before we leave like little little dumb things right, here and right, there right i am so focused on like the macro emotional wellness of my child that sometimes as a mom i like forget the little things but we're all doing the best we can right
0: well that that's the whole point like I think that there are a lot of moms and probably dads out there who are striving to be whatever this image is in their head or society, or I read a book or I saw a movie or whatever it is. And I tell my kids today who are now 21, 20 and 17. um, But I tell them regularly, you know, there was no, there's no book on being a parent. There's certainly no book on how to handle divorce. Every divorce is different. every person's different, then the two people are different. You're just doing the best you can. You have to just assume that everybody's just doing the best they can. And um, you know, I'm sure for you too, like there, there's so much going on in my head. And then sometimes it would be like, just just is everybody in bed?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, we had a great day. That was a great day. You woke up, you went where you're supposed to go and everybody's got their head on the pillow and they're going to sleep. I'm not sure what happened in between those two, (laughs) but everybody's good. And so I did the best that I could that day. And that was, that was good enough, but really taking the time to look at yourself, it's a hard thing to do it's a humbling
1: experience. It's I, humbling. It will bring you to your knees, yeah. but it is so necessary. You know, people will say to me, Oh my God, you're so lucky you got remarried and you met such a great guy and you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And I'm like, I'm sure that's what it looks like on social media, but the work that I've had to do to get to a space where I could have a relationship like this, to be able to keep a relationship like this, to be able to put my issues to the side and learn how to be a better communicator and partner and all of those things like i mean it's been hard like i was in therapy in the beginning of our i'm still in therapy but in the beginning of my relationship with my now husband where i had to learn to receive whether it was emotionally or materialistically like i was so hardened from my past on doing things myself that i didn't even know what to respond when my when I was dating my now husband and he would say, I'm running to Publix, do you need anything from the market? I'd be like, oh, does he think I can't get it myself? You know, I was so like- I totally get it. I and, totally and get it. There was, anyway, the point is, a magical life after divorce doesn't just happen because you deserve it. We all deserve it, but you do kind of have to work for it and the work only needs to be done on yourself. If you I don't absolutely. do that work, you are more than likely going to repeat old patterns end up in a in a similar relationship to your marriage because it feels comfortable and then you're the one sitting there saying i attract all the same guys all the time and that's because the work hasn't been done
0: right you're doing all the same things again and and also you know i think that a lot of people and a little bit of what you just said is their goal is you know how'd you meet the guy that's not really the goal
1: it's not the goal goal and in my book is
0: to be so good with yourself yeah That that they're just gravy. Mm -hmm. You can walk down the street, you can go to a movie, you can do whatever you want, and you feel great about it. And they're just like, you know, a little bit of extra bonus on the side. That's kind of how I look at it now.
1: Totally. And so many of my followers have said like, oh, I can't wait to read about you and Spencer in your book. And I'm like, well, don't hold your breath because as much as I love him and like die for him, he's the best he's not my idea of a happily ever after like for me just accepting being alone with no other man I had never been single in my life just the acceptance of like I'm happy with who I am and anything else like you said is gravy like for me that was happily ever after and I couldn't have attracted Spencer into my life had I not gotten to that place of being happy alone
0: right agreed and the people who I attracted I was taking care of them too my parents would always say, why, why do you feel like you have to save everybody? Like, why are you saving people? Yeah. And and the man that I'm with now, and we're building a home together, actually just moved into his house with my Ooh, kid. Ooh, mazel. Yeah, so it's like all super exciting, but even the last four years of my marriage, I was a single parent. I made the rules, I, I handled everything. Nobody's messing up my routine. I'm not interested in other opinions and same thing i i remember going on a blind date whatever and the guy reached for my hand and i grabbed my hand away i was like i don't need you to hold my hand to cross the street i can cross the street by myself and so it's exact same thing it took a really long time to allow someone to be you know i don't know if it was i don't know what do you think is it allowing someone? to do nice for you, or is it just being so guarded that you're like, I'm independent, I don't need anybody, back off?
1: I think, well, that is guarded, like when you insist you don't need anyone. Like I remember in my late 20s, my mom would be like, call me and be like, guess who got married? Guess who had a baby? And I'd be like, sorry, mom, you're never gonna be a grandma. That's never happening for me. But that was my guard up feeling like I didn't deserve it. And so I think a lot of women put that guard up because they, they have such a heart of, time accepting that yes they are worthy of love and yes somebody does genuinely want to hold your hand without bad intentions or does genuinely want to pick up groceries for you just for being kind not because he thinks you can't he thinks you can't do it yourself I think letting your guard down and being vulnerable is also a really great way to grow because you see like where your limits are where your your buttons are that might be pressed or what your triggers are and And it's once you let your guard down, I think that beautiful things happen.
0: Uh, Yes. And it's a scary thing. So having a therapist to kind of guide you and coach you along is really a beautiful luxury that I also did.
1: I mean, I'm in therapy, all sorts of therapy. I have more than one therapist. My daughter's in therapy. Like, I just think it's the best gift you can give yourself. And if, Absolutely. It's, if it's an issue of finances, because therapy is crazy expensive. There are some months where I say to my husband, like every dollar I've earned this month has gone to therapy. Start with your child's um, school counselor. Like Mm -hmm. set up a meeting. If you are going through something like divorce and you don't know how to handle it for yourself and your children, start with your school counselor. They are such a powerful tool. There's a school social worker in every public school and they will check in with your kid and they will give you the tools to be able to get through what you're getting through as a mom. And that's a great place to start.
0: We, um, when I separated, I found the program banana splits.
1: Yes. I remember banana splits. So I... I was in the program as a kid. (laughs) <laughs> oh, really? And so what did you think about it? I don't remember. I just remember being pulled out of class um, with a group of other like divorced kids. There were like right. three at that time. Right. And and we'd go sit in the social worker's office and get like scratch and sniff stickers. Like, I don't remember much more than that <laughs> other than like, why do I have to be here to talk about this, you know?
0: So therapy, like my my oldest at the time was eight and she was having panic attacks and Oy, she thing. was not sleeping. I took her to a neurologist i did everything but i also brought banana splits to the school but like you she really didn't have any friends whose parents were going through divorce right so now she's like now i'm the special kid and now i miss lunch with my friends to go sit in a room she goes i'm not going Mm -hmm. and then my younger daughter who's only a grade younger all her friends were from divorcing or divorced families they all went it was friday lunch it was social hour and then my son would just show up and the counselor would call me and she said listen Jason's here are you okay with this I'm like yes I brought it to the school bring him on in oh, but, that's but great. that that was like it was nice to know that someone else was kind of doing some of the work to help us you know oh, yeah we take it all on ourselves that we have to you know fix everything being the fixer is is it's, it's been a nightmare for me with my children. I don't, I'm not a fixer anymore. I learned in a hard way, um, from an experience with my son, but they're never going to grow confident and strong and everything. If you're doing everything for them And, and telling them the way to feel and telling them what to do, they don't have to think. So that was, that was a hard, there's a lot of learning that goes in after divorce, not just for you, the way you parent, the way you socialize, Mm -hmm. right? Like what are the, what do you think are like the top three challenges? You're
1: divorced, holy shit, now what? I think the top three challenges is, um, the first one, which I talk about in my book is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like we're here, you know, as women and moms and and trying to be empowered and like, be great moms and make it to the PTA meetings and, you know, have the play dates and and say yes to the girls nights, but like, you're in a really uncomfortable space right now. And if you don't honor that, it's going to be really hard to move on. Like, I think getting comfortable being uncomfortable because divorce is an uncomfortable time in your life will ultimately save you down the road. Because if you don't deal with those feelings head on, it's going to be really hard to heal and they may might- pop up later um and I think the other thing the hardest thing is adjusting to co-parenting like nobody prepares you for that like okay I've birthed this child grown this child in my body or went through IVF or went through the adoption process and this baby is mine now but here let me give you to this person that I no longer really like for half of your life or whatever the case is Which you
0: would never do like if that wasn't your ex you'd be like oh go with go with that guy he's fine or she, right. she's not really trustworthy all the time with me, but, but go ahead, have have yeah. a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that, have a day, have a time. Um, no, I mean, there's there's nothing more gut-wrenching, especially in the beginning. And I spend so much um, time in my book like talking about the first night without your kids, the first weekend, the first you know time you hear that daddy has another woman, like all of those things that are so icky. Um, they're all part of the the co-parenting process. And I think it's really hard and we need to value that it's hard and we need to give ourselves the time to adjust without feeling like we just have to get over the divorce and be back to normal. It doesn't work like that. Um, and I think the third thing is like we talked about like getting comfortable being alone. Um, a lot of times, you know, I remember when I first separated, the question would be, so do you think you're going to get married again? And I would be, I would get so annoyed. Like, why is that?
0: Everybody, I hope you could feel my eyes roll if you're not (laughs) watching the video.
1: Yeah. Like why, why is that the happily ever after? Like, I wish somebody would have said to me, sweetheart, I hope you get the help you need and get through your issues now. You know, like that's, that's what matters. And so, you know, this pressure society puts on you, like you have to be married to be worthy. Like, no, you fucking don't. Like, I and it, And i'm so glad to be remarried like i'm obsessed with my husband but that could not have happened you know without me being so happy being alone like my brother came down from new york i'll never forget one weekend and we had like a family dinner out at a restaurant in miami and he was like i'm having an intervention with you why aren't you dating you're successful you're you're not pining over your ex-husband like now's the perfect time you're young you're beautiful and i was like because i just don't care like i don't want to put the energy into that I want to like, be free to do whatever I want to do with Bella. I want to be free to do whatever I want to do when I don't have Bella. And I'm just getting comfortable with that. I had never been comfortable being alone. And it was in that comfort being alone that sure enough, I met my husband, but that was such a beautiful time for me. And I, I urge women, like, you know, you're probably going to end up in another relationship. You most likely will get married again. And in that marriage it'll be great but you'll also be picking up socks off the floor and asking your husband to lower the tv or asking him why he's so fucking loud after the kids are asleep like it all it all goes to the same place so enjoy that time right now right right so
0: how did you meet your husband
1: oh my god it's the best story
0: yeah you told me that before so let's (laughs) let's hear it
1: so my brother you know was basically like you're gonna start dating whether you like it or not and i didn't know how i felt about that like it's not that I felt I wasn't worthy. I knew ultimately my greatest love was still out there and that I didn't have a fair chance at marriage and that I wasn't done with love yet, but I just couldn't wrap my head around dating with a two-year-old and like having to get myself sexy for a date while I'm like doing bath time. Like it just didn't make any sense. And were you
0: worried like, who's going to want to yeah. date me with a two-year-old? It's not. Oh yeah. I'll get to I'm that. Like five. And- right
1: that I'll get to that. Cause that was my biggest insecurity well into my relationship with Spencer. Um, so my brother at that dinner where he was like, you need to date, he made me a dating profile on one of the apps and I would like sit awake at night and swipe till they were like, sorry, there's no more matches. And I'm like, God damn it. And, um, <laughs> and so anyway, Bella was two and I would pick her up from school around two thirty three o'clock. And I hated just like going back to my apartment with her because I didn't want her to feel lonely, like it was just the two of us. And so we would always go to my mom's after school. My mom lives in a beautiful building on the water. There's a marina. So we would play outside. I'd walk her in her stroller. And I would always see this guy around 4, 4.30, come down from the building and like go fishing with his daughter. And I'm like, well, he's cute, but I'm not one to like chat it up. So I, I would just like look and like walk away. And then a couple of days later... And then you started
0: dressing really nicely for your 230 pickups. (laughs) Right.
1: No, a couple of days later, um, I got a copy of our our town's newspaper because I had an article like somewhere way in the back I was featured. But he was on the cover. And I was like, oh, that's that guy. And lo and behold, he looked me up on LinkedIn, which I want to say was really flattering because at that point I was getting DMs on Instagram like, hey, baby, you're so sexy. I got a message on LinkedIn from him and he wrote very impressive stuff, MD, which are my initials. And I, so he knew you wrote that article. Oh yeah. And you saw him on the cover, but you didn't tell him you saw him on the cover. No, but he obviously had been noticing me, you know what I'm saying? Nice. So then, um, so, so we started chatting, uh, we exchanged phone numbers. He was like, so oddly cryptic in his texts, which I now realize what he does for a living. He couldn't like be like all open via text. And um, I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Like I I would ask questions and I'd get like one word answers. And I was like, ugh, telling my brother, like you see, like this is a waste of my time. Right. And then we started talking on the phone and he asked me to go out the following weekend. And we spoke every day up until our first date. He would check in like, how are you? How's Bella? How was that client meeting? Like already very invested in my life. And I said to one of my best friends that after that first date, like I said, after, after tonight, I said, the morning of our first date, my whole life is going to be different. And it was, and I, and, and he'll tell you, he fell in love with me in the Uber on the way to dinner. He knew he loved me and I knew it, I think before we even went out and I had never felt that before. So that was a very scary feeling for me.
0: Yeah. It's hard to take it in when it's new. And I remember, you know, those dating apps, I mean, I have my own opinions about them, but every man that I had been in a relationship I met online but you don't know what you want because you haven't had it right you don't know that feeling because you've not felt it so I want six foot three I want this that and the other thing check all the boxes the man that I'm with doesn't check any of those boxes and he's the most perfect man for me
1: exactly well Uh, I always say we go into our first marriages looking for what's good on paper not realizing that that's the stuff that comes second right like somebody who can emotionally fulfill your needs is far more important than does he make, you know, this amount, can you check that box off on the dating profile? And does he look like George Clooney when he comes (laughs) out of the shower? Like, you know, so I, and mind you, my husband is very attractive, but that's just my opinion. Um, it was for me, it was, so speaking of Bella, it was his willingness to be patient with the fact that his daughter was 10 when we met mine was two. We, we would go to his apartment and she was still in diapers and she had this weird thing. She was embarrassed when she had to poop and would like go hide under his dining room Aww. table. And we used to call her the little poop mouse, like little things like that. We would, you know, we would, he would say, let's take the girls to dinner. No. And I'm there knowing full well shitting in my pants that that's the worst time of day for her to be out in public. She's going to throw yeah. a tantrum you know, there was one time, I think it was the first time we introduced the girls. We went to dinner and Bella launched like a glass of club soda across the table just because like she wasn't paying attention. And I'm like, oh my God, he's not going to, he's not going to want to be with right. me. And that was sweating, mortified, mortified. So for the first six months of our relationship, I truly felt like he was going to leave me at an, at the drop of a dime because it was too hard to raise another child for him. And then something, couple months into our relationship happened, there was a really bad hurricane about to hit South Florida. And he didn't want me alone. I I lived in a flood zone. He didn't want me alone in my townhouse with Bella. He said, I want you to come stay with me in the building. Your parents are obviously in the building. They can help. And their building doesn't lose power because they're on the same line as the hospital in our city. So he's like, I want you to stay with us. I can't hear you. That's what people should look for when
0: they buy a house. You always want to be on the hospital line.
1: (laughs) Like, totally. So I'm like, okay, great. But that means however many days trapped inside with me and a two-year-old. And my mom was like, well, this is how you're going to know. And it was (laughs) the hardest three days of our lives. There was no, like, you know, you're inside for three days. There's Even though we had power, there was no Wi-Fi. There was no running water. There was no, okay, go watch a movie and distract yourself little child. It was brutal. And that's when I knew I'd be marrying him because he was so patient and so gentle. And even when Bella squirted her applesauce packet, like all over his bedding, he was like, okay, that's what laundry's for. And I, I remember thinking like, who are you? Right. So don't leave. (laughs) Right. So, so many women will say to me, I'm so self-conscious dating because I'm a mom. And I'm like, Own that so powerfully, that fact that you're a mother, because somebody's going to love you so much for it. And the right person is going to enhance your little, your little family.
0: There's, there is a meme out there that says, um, you know, sometimes people think you're just, she's just too much, or he's just too much. You know what? He or she is too much for that person, but not for somebody else. I mean, you're not too much
1: for the right person.
0: it, It really is true. I mean, I, I was on a tear. I was managing my dating profiles and and John this town and Peter that town, and I had them all labeled and everything. And I was getting caught up with some guy who I knew for a week. I'm like, I'm out of control. Get back to work, focus on your work, focus on your kids, you're out of control. So the man who I'm with now, um, I had been talking to him, but I hadn't gone out on a date with him yet. And um so I when I said I was gonna slow my role, I canceled on him. I'm like canceling everybody, everybody's out. And oh, I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> this is Zoom. Um, so anyway, I, I honestly blew him off. He lives in the next town, and I went to go pick up my dog the following week from the shelter, whatever, the not shelter, you know, the Animal hospital place where they board her, and he goes, "How was your trip?" And I didn't even recognize him because in his pictures he was clean shaven. Here he's got hat on. He works in construction. He had glasses, like he was all. And his dog, but I recognized the dog, and we have been together every day since then, and that's almost three years ago. Wow! He lights up my life, but it never would have happened. If I had not been in the place to be like, I'm good with me. Right. I don't need a guy. I like a guy. I like to go out, but I don't need another person to do the work that I need to do for myself. I need to do it because they're never going to do it. It doesn't work that way. Anyway, it just doesn't.
1: It's well, I'm glad you had that that process and that opportunity to realize like I'm going too far into this too quickly like I need to catch my breath like there's something to be said for that
0: yeah a lot of years of a lot of mistakes
1: (laughs) and we've all made them but that's the thing that's why they say we learn from our mistakes
0: A 100 percent, and not to be ashamed of your mistakes like bring it on my so what I want to ask you is what's the one thing and before you answer I'm going to tell you mine What's the one thing you want our audience to know in terms of what you wish you knew? For me, it's that I my gut was, was really honest and that mm-hmm. I was gonna be okay if I trusted it. I shouldn't have been afraid of my gut. It's the most honest thing I have and it's been my compass ever since I separated. And, um, it's it's it works for me my body literally will get sick if i start going down like a bad path so what's the one thing you want to share that you wish you knew
1: i wish i knew that the divorce process is not one to rush um i think as women so when when a man a heterosexual couple gets divorced the man is usually leading the divorce process from a place of anger and ego and the woman is coming from a place of fear. And we are scared of confrontation in most cases, and we just want this to go as easily as possible. So a lot of times we rush the divorce process, we meaning me, and I see my clients trying to do that now, and I'm like, oh honey, let's slow it down and here's why. If you don't ask questions in the divorce process and you're just emotionally charged and, and responding to requests and negotiations from opposing counsel, you are not looking big picture and you are not uh, making the decisions that are in the best interest of you and your child long term. You're you're simply trying to put a band-aid on right now. And that is the biggest mistake that I made. Had I given myself more time to understand what time sharing options looked would uh, different from 50-50 might look like, or, you know, why the the two two three schedule that I have now would ultimately be the hardest on Bella. Like little things like that. I wish I took more time on because I was so focused on just getting through the process so I could start my life over again without this like looming divorce process hanging over my head that I made a lot of mistakes. And so I urge anybody who's listening, like there is no award for who gets out of divorce the fastest, you know, you don't want to be in it four years like you were or 10 years like my mom was, but you do want to do it right. You only get one chance to get out of this marriage with your sanity and your child's best interests intact. And so you have to do it mindfully and not emotionally.
0: You're right. A hundred percent. I mean, for me, I was dragged through. So you only get one, you know, you only need one person to, to make it miserable. Um, it's, it's true. I mean, he just, it, it's whatever. That's a conversation for off record. But, um, <laughs> You're a hundred percent right. So I want to thank you so much for coming and, and speaking with ex-experts today. Oh, I it's my pleasure. It definitely comes from a place of, of passion and wanting to make a difference for other people. And, and we feel the same way. That's why we're creating this platform to bring, um, you know, specialists and experts and authors like yourself out there so that our audience knows that there are so many resources out there for you now. Um, really are. when did you get divorced what year
1: did you say um i separated in early 2017 march of 2017 okay, my divorce so that was even
0: still i was 2008 and back then there was nothing and
1: yeah. then when
0: you go online now even i feel like you google it and everything is from a lawyer and there's an agenda and so just definitely take the time to educate yourself, empower yourself. So when you go and ask questions and you go and meet people, you,
1: you know what to ask
0: for, you know, what well, that's
1: essentially in. why and I wrote write. my book. Yeah. My book is literal, like how to like what to expect when you're expecting, but for divorce. And there's a whole chapter on things not to overlook in your parenting plan and what to know about the divorce process, because nobody's telling you that from the mom perspective they're telling you that from the legal perspective from the mediator perspective and so it's so important to get educated um and yeah and i appreciate you giving me this platform and i love what you guys are doing i think it's great i'm excited to support you in this endeavor
0: thank you all right well have a great day and anybody listening check out mom's moving on michelle is all over instagram her podcasts are awesome and her book is coming out you can pre-order it now And it'll be released in January. So stay tuned for another episode. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the X experts We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes. And please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.